Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Only at the Anxiety Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Foran. Now, for the last few episodes, I was joined by various guests who, just like me, have experienced anxiety, and they share their story in different kinds of anxiety, manifesting in different ways, what works for them and what doesn't. This week, however, I want to bring it back to the experts. I'm joined by one of my favorite people. It's Orla Walsh Nutrition. That's what she's known as on Instagram, but she's a dietitian. She's an absolute legend, and there is absolutely no bullshit about her. Take what you think you have in your head about an expert as being not relatable and just throw it out the window because this girl is a human being, you'll be surprised to know. Orla joins me to talk about anxiety in relation to nutrition. So what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. And specifically, we go into a lot about the gut because obviously my gut was such a huge problem for me growing up. Still is a bit of an issue sometimes. It is something that gives me anxiety, but then my anxiety is something that triggers my gut. So if you're anything like me, this is the episode for you. There's quite a lot to unpack in it, um, but I really hope you enjoy it. I hope you take something away from it. I've definitely been writing notes as I've been editing for things that I need to start introducing myself day to day. So be sure to to listen with your full attention and as always thank you so much for for joining me on this journey of owning it hope you've been enjoying the series so far if you're new welcome i hope you get a chance to go back and listen to some of the older episodes and as always please keep subscribing and reviewing it means the world to me thank you so much and enjoy the first question i want to ask you and it will seem like so unbelievably state the obvious to you and i uh, but i find when people talk to me about their anxiety they don't believe or they don't realize that what you eat, what you put into your body can really have an effect on your mental health. Yeah, no, absolutely. You see, if you look at it logically, I think people are very comfortable with the notion that what we eat affects our physical health. But you see, our body is connected to our head. You know, our head isn't (laughs) totally separate. So of course, what we eat is going to affect our brain and our mental health as well. Um, And it's a chicken and egg situation because... What we eat is going to affect our mental health, but our mental health is going to affect what we eat. Um, and sometimes it's confusing for people to know what, what has come first. But mm-hmm. absolutely, could you change how you eat and your your general food plan across a week and have better mental health from that? Yes, definitely. And do you think people 
are coming around to the idea now or is there still you know you talk about the difference or the kind of disconnect between mind and body are we still not there in terms of accepting it as a whole I I think we were we're getting there but I don't think one of the most common presentations I'm asked to do is food and mood really yeah because people are still surprised that they're too connected and I always explain it about you know do do you know your head's connected to your body (laughs) you know and I just kind of say it like that because as soon as you do people go oh well of course it is you know know. and it just opens their mindset to it and then once you open their mindset then they're they're available then to give the information I suppose for me when I when my anxiety was so acute and so bad back in 2014 and my doctor at the time was saying you know you need to be more broccoli I was like fuck's sake like this plate of broccoli <laughs> yeah. isn't going to make me not feel anxious and I suppose for me nutrition is is one element of yeah managing anxiety managing stress but it's a really crucial one I think it's one that people kind of overlook yeah I think when people have any sort of mental ill health they kind of go okay well what can I do to directly affect that and what we everyone needs to do is take a really big step back and look at their overall lifestyle and look at it holistically and go everything from what music are we (laughs) listening to because you know I wouldn't feel uh, pep in my step if I was constantly listening to Adele and Ed you know (laughs) so it's actually going and it's funny when you actually take a step back and you're looking after your mental health like it's so funny I've recently started to nearly only listen to Motown because it's such upbeat music you know (laughs) or inspiring music but when you when you think about it it's it's everything it's it's the music we listen to it's the people we hang around with Mm. and are let into our inner circle but it's our food it's our exercise it's how we talk to ourselves it's all of these things so I think I'd encourage everyone to not just look and go one thing yeah, yeah I'm trying to manage it so I'm going to a psychologist that's brilliant and I would definitely encourage that but I would go actually take a step back even further and go what else in my Mm. lifestyle can I change in owning it I sort of refer to that as taking a helicopter view of your life and looking at you know because people feel like their anxiety has come about um for no good reason and maybe it's something to do with their lifestyle maybe it's a stress at work or maybe it's a simple fact that they've been having two red bulls a day for the last two weeks and they're starting to feel the effects of it and they, they don't realize it so it's I always say whatever you're doing it's one aspect it's one thing even medication people might think that's just a, a cop out but it's one piece of the puzzle and is. nutrition is, is such a huge one I remember you know when my anxiety was was really bad and I was not leaving the house and I just wanted to comfort eat and I was yeah. like this bit of chocolate is going to to maybe very temporarily make me feel a little bit of comfort and a I had no a wrapper. yeah hug and a wrapper and I had no appreciation for the cumulative mm-hmm effects of these things so yeah on a very basic level where are we going wrong with what we're eating and anxiety well I would take a step back because I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that um, feel anxious at times but don't suffer from anxiety yes or they're listening because a loved one does yeah and they want to learn a little bit more of that but at the same time they can feel better and feed their mood a bit better so I would encourage people to take a full step back and actually look at instead of individual foods but Mm. the balance of their diet and when we talk about the balance of their diet I think we get it all wrong because what we do is we talk about it at a daily basis or a weekly thing like tot up Mm -hmm. it's nearly like how we deal with taxes (laughs) when actually what you need to be doing is look at it from meal to meal 
So are you eating regularly enough? We can't allow long gaps between our meals because I don't think anyone is mentally well um, when they're hungry. And I couldn't eat at all when my anxiety was so bad. I mean, I didn't have any meals. I was nibbling on a bit of bread like a rabbit. Yeah, so some people starve their feelings and some people feed them. And uh, it's a natural gut reaction that we're all kind of nearly born with. If I get upset, I don't eat when... some of my friends get upset they naturally go to eat Mm -hmm. um but i would encourage people to go okay well am i eating regularly enough you know am i allowing long gaps between meals and then what are your meals made up of because if you stabilize your blood sugar levels you will feel so much better from that you'll your energy and motivation will be better but your mood will be better too ask any type 1 diabetic so if you ask a type 1 diabetic how do you know your bloods are running high usually they bring up the fact that they are so cross and how do and if you ask a type 1 diabetic to describe what low blood sugar levels feels like they will say things like oh I get really anxious I get really irritable um they get shaky um they get clammy their heart rate goes um like the clappers Mm. so they know that they're running low because of all those symptoms but if anyone's ever suffered from a panic attack you can see that there's some symptoms there that are quite similar that sense is like I'm not saying that they're the same thing yeah but I'm saying that the symptoms are similar so what I encourage people to go okay well I need to balance my meals a little bit better so to balance your meals a little bit better you really need to focus on two or three things so is there adequate protein at your meal times? Because often, for example, people might come in and they eat porridge for breakfast and porridge is perfectly healthy but if they make it on almond milk banana banana on top again it sounds really healthy but there's no protein there there's not enough Mm. and so a simple change by going okay well make a porridge on milk or soy milk or hemp milk and all of a sudden there's now protein in their porridge and that's going to be a much more balanced meal and their blood sugar levels are going to be much more stable so protein is one thing that people tend to miss and people tend to miss even if they're healthy eaters. So for another example would be they have veg soup at lunch and brown bread and you're going, okay, well, that sounds healthy, but where's the protein? Mm. So what I would encourage people to do is first step, look at the protein. Am I getting adequate protein at my mealtime? It's not a high protein diet, yeah. um, but it's adequate protein. And then you add in enough fiber. So fiber is again how we stabilize our blood sugar levels if you consider a bucket with a hole in it we want the contents of the bucket to be drip fed not this like gush gush that the 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 hole in the bucket is so big so what we want is we want that food to leave our stomach really really slowly because if it leaves our stomach slowly it goes into our bloodstream slowly and it's delivered to our body in a really manageable way so again you look at the fiber and you go am i getting enough fiber so am i getting two to three uh, pieces of fruit or veg with every meal and so it's kind of around a third or half of your meal is going to be fruit or veg okay and then another third will be protein yeah and then the final third would be um your slow release or your good quality carbohydrates but I would encourage people, people tend to eat enough carbohydrates despite this uh, low carbohydrate movement years ago. But I encourage people to make sure there's enough protein, enough fiber and fat. So a healthy source of fat with every meal. Again, to slow down the release of that food from their belly um, into their body. And that keeps their blood sugar levels really stable. And how does the blood sugar levels directly <clears throat> 
or increase or affect anxiety? How I describe it is our brain, right? Our brain is super duper active and it's so active. It's such a tiny little tissue. So it's around 2% of our overall weight. Okay, it's this kind of very complex fat blob, basically, (laughs) and it weighs nearly nothing. Um, But it's so active and the neurons in it are so active that it requires 20% of our overall energy intake each day Mm -hmm. or calorie intake. Now, the brain functions on carbohydrate. Oh, yeah. So the only thing the brain feeds on, unless it's in extreme circumstances, is carbohydrate. So around... Um, 130 grams of carbohydrate or around 500 calories worth of carbohydrate each day are being pumped to our head just to feed our brain at rest. So it's it's quite remarkable. So if we keep our blood sugar level stable, we're just feeding our brain at a really stable pace as well. And our brain doesn't like when our blood sugar levels go low and it doesn't like when our blood sugar levels go high. So I would kind of explain it. It's obviously a little bit more complicated than that, but I don't think anyone needs to (laughs) understand Mm. that to be able to change their behaviors. But the brain basically feeds on carbohydrate, keep your blood sugar levels um, stable, blood carbohydrate levels stable, and it will have a huge impact on your, like I said, your mood, but also your energy and your motivation. If your energy is good, you have motivation to eat better, you have motivation to move your body a bit more, so to exercise, but you've also motivation, you know, to get up, get outside, socialize, and other things that are really, really important in controlling Do you find your that, mental health. that people who come to you and are maybe doing the whole low carb thing because of <clears throat> Instagram or, you know, yeah. they want to look good, they think carbs are bad. Do you find that they're suffering with anxiety more? It depends. There's always going to be an outlier. So some people go on a low carb diet and they've never felt better. And there'll always be an outlier. So you can kind of say everyone falls under the same mm. category. However, I've seen people come in and when I actually put in the right amount of carbohydrate for them, they get huge results. So when you look at the right amount of carbohydrate, like how much do we need? You really have to consider carbohydrates similar to putting petrol into a car. So when I drive my car, I burn more petrol the further I drive. I burn more petrol the faster I drive and I burn more petrol the more frequently I use my car. So the three Fs, further, faster and frequently. And when it comes to our body and carbohydrate, we burn through more carbohydrate the further we move the faster we move or the more frequently we're moving. So we need to look at carbohydrates similar to how we look at petrol in a car. So where carbs have got their bad rep, because, you know, you do have to consider body image as well in anxiety. Um, So obviously there's lots of things you can do to help people have a more positive body image. Sometimes people want to lose a little bit of weight in order to achieve that. So everyone's different. But carbs have been victimized over the years because carbs make you fat. But if we go back to the car analogy, if you're filling up the petrol tank and you hear the click and the petrol tank is full and you keep on putting petrol in, it's gonna spill out onto the ground. When it comes to our body, our tank is our muscles. If we keep on putting carbohydrate in, it's going to spill out into fat storage. So it's not that carbs make us fat. It's that we're not taking in the right amount of carbs for our activity levels. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that's the big thing. So I think people need to stop fearing foods, especially the likes of carbohydrates when it comes to mental health, but tailoring them a little bit more to 
how far they're moving, how fast they're moving or how frequently okay. they're moving. Talk to me about cortisol. Like for anxiety, it's kind of public enemy number one. And for yeah. me, I would have done whatever I could to keep it under control. How does cortisol interact with what we eat and, and how it functions in our body? Well, the thing is, it's always... Cortisol gets a blame for a lot of these things. And how I would... I'd bring it back a step again and say, okay, we've got the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system so the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight and if you could imagine you're an animal and you hear a gunshot that what happens is a sympathetic nervous system uh, sparks it, it gets turned on and the carbohydrate from our tank from our muscles goes into our blood um, and then the animal gets ready to run like the clappers or fight so um, in order to run like the clappers or fight, it needs carbohydrate in the bloodstream. That's why it's now entered. Um, and it needs its blood vessels uh, dilated so the blood can flow. And it needs to, you know, eyesight more honed in. So it's this kind of highly alert um, situation. Um, so that's a sympathetic nervous system. And people who suffer a little bit more with their anxiety I spend a bit too much time in that mm-hmm. um in in that I know, <laughs> you know I'm that well much. familiar <laughs> now the other one is the parasympathetic nervous system your best so, friend <laughs> yeah everyone's best friend is the rest and digest so I I would encourage people to look at it kind of and go okay well how do I know the sympathetic nervous system is switched on and your gut will tell you, Mm, (laughs) you know, literally, it really will. So when the sympathetic nervous system is switched on, okay, so what happens at the start of an exam? There's a cue for the loo. What happens at the start Mm. of a 10K race? There's a cue for loo. So sometimes our gut is triggered by our our nerves, our nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And we we go to the bathroom a little bit more or, or we get a bit more bloated or we get an upset tummy. So your stomach will tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that because your gut doesn't need to be digesting food when you're in this flight or fight or flight mode it's sort of yeah you need to be legging it away from harm or so it's like let's get this out of here so that we can run yeah let's dump it let's get rid of it it's (laughs) not helpful right now yeah so that's that's really what happens and the thing is is that you need to be switch switching on that parasympathetic nervous system more in order to rest and digest so in order to digest our food a little bit better Mm -hmm. and that's why it's very common for people with anxiety to have gut issues and that's why one of um there was a great study that released that showed that yoga twice a week had really beneficial effects on IBS Um, and this wasn't in people with anxiety now this was just across the board because for everyone the more calm we are and the more that parasympathetic nervous system is switched on the better our gut will work yeah and the better everything feels when you sort of bring your attention to what you can do to sort of soothe your parasympathetic nervous system so back to cortisol then is that is that a key player then in like making the gut shut down or? It is. Um, it's one of them, the stress hormone. It's, it's a slower releasing one, isn't it? Yeah. So there's that and there's adrenaline, there's noradrenaline. There's there's a good few at play. Okay. Um, so, but it tends to be the one that people focus in on because it tends to fight a little bit with, their, you know, the hormones that are trying to make us rest, such as the sleep hormone, mm-hmm. melatonin. But we do know that it has an impact on someone's body composition and what they eat as well. You know, that's the thing with uh, food and mental ill health is that which comes first, chicken yeah. or the egg. So 
we know that a diet high in processed food um, is linked and associated to uh, poorer mental health. But we also know the poorer mental health is a link to and associated with choosing these foods yeah. that are more processed. Okay. Talk about the gut there, which is obviously such an enormous topic in itself. Yeah. We could talk for days about it. But for me, and we talked about this before we were recording, like when I was younger, and everyone knows this if they've listened to the first episode, you know, it was always my tummy that gave me trouble. And yeah. I do really think that I was an anxious kid. Um, and I think especially in 2014 when my stomach went completely bananas it was hugely triggered by anxiety yeah but I do think you know I also like I've been to you as a, a client and we've looked at foods that are irritated my gut it's kind of certain percentage of it is, is anxiety and a certain percentage of it is maybe foods yeah. that irritate me and also <clears throat> sometimes when my gut is irritated or I don't feel well I'm anxious because I don't feel well and then I don't feel well because I'm anxious so it's really hard to know yeah, it is hard to know. And I think people with anxiety are quick to kind of blame the anxiety. And sometimes it might be the food intolerance. Um, and I guess it's 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 the whole blame game. And it's hard to know which one is more at fault, but they're both at play. We know that IBS has a seriously large negative impact on someone's quality of life. So there's actually quality of life studies for all the conditions and diseases and IBS is right up there in the top. Yeah, and I was diagnosed with that as well and I was just miserable. You yeah, but the thing is is that it's in some ways for years it wasn't taken seriously because it's not going to kill you, but it's yeah. guaranteed to make you miserable. Yeah. And I don't think people realize how miserable their IBS makes them until you give them symptom relief. Oh, and when yeah. you take away all their symptoms and they go, oh my God, this is what normal is. Yeah. Then they realize just how much their IBS was playing on their anxiety. And for everyone, it's a different um, amount. So it's nearly like a Likert scale. I've had clients who suffered from anxiety for years and they've come in, we've dealt with their IBS and their anxiety has gone right down. So okay. like it's... It, it's, and then you have other people where you give them symptom relief from the IBS and it doesn't do anything for their anxiety. Mm. But it's a it's a, nearly like a Likert scale of one to ten. You don't know how much it's a part of your anxiety. Mm. So it is a chicken and egg but situation. But you can't deny the fact that if you have IBS, especially something like diarrhea and urgency and incontinence, like of course that's going to make you very anxious. Yeah. You know, and it's it does have such an impact on your social life. Like, for example, people might go, oh, well, I don't leave the house until I've gone to the loo. Mm. Or else they don't wear, they always tight bring clothes or, yeah. tight clothes or they always bring a change of clothes in the car just in case something happens. <laughs> so like, of course, that's going to make someone more anxious. So when it comes to the dietary aspects of anxiety, I also look at symptom relief for people. So I don't just look at the things like balancing blood sugar levels and and getting enough omega-3s and things like that I also look at things such as symptom relief and go okay you've bloating let's get rid of that you've diarrhea let's get rid of that you know and we actually look at all the symptoms they're feeling and target the symptoms because if we reduce the symptoms and they feel better their anxiety gets better and how common is it that people who present with anxiety are also presenting with gut issues it's fairly common they, they, they often go hand in hand they often do but the thing is, is that when people have IBS, it's nearly always put down to stress. Yeah. And that's not nice, you know, so, and I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um, so it, because the IBS is stressful and stress exacerbates IBS, yeah. you know, they they can go together. And 
everyone feels stress in yeah. their life so it's it's I used to be so upset I remember coming out of GPs and they're just saying I didn't really I hadn't identified anxiety as an issue but definitely I was I was having anxiety as a result of feeling unwell and yeah. they were like are you just a bit stressed or whatever and I was like well of course I'm stressed like yeah. I I wouldn't I was afraid to go away I was afraid to go out for dinner because yeah. what if I eat something and like I had such an immediate reaction to if I ate a meal regardless of what I ate when I was so bad that I would just instantly have an upset tummy so like I didn't want to go anywhere oh it's really annoying when I hear that because I was like of course the person's going to be upset like if they have an immediate reaction to eating something that upsets their stomach like you would be stressed if the the penalty was shitting your pants in public like how would you know thankfully I never did that but (laughs) still it was always then for me like oh if it does happen to me I want to be at home I want to be with my mom I want to have comfort so it just became this bigger thing where even just probably it wouldn't have been enough to just look up the food you'd have to do look at the stress as well so I think for people who are listening it's really important that okay yes we don't know what portion of their IBS or their anxiety is is just pure stress but some of it might be if if you're having good issues some of it might be while you're eating so it's important to look at from both sides yeah Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. And I, I think people need to know that IBS can be managed. You know, yeah. it can people be People just think there's, it's like a sentence. I thought it was like, well, this is it now for life. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sentenced. And I'm like, it could be just garlic. Listen, I know. you know, so it could be just one thing. So one of the common ways, especially if people have IBS, that's diarrhea dominant or with bloating and distension. Um, and it's worth noting with IBS, there's nearly always pain and discomfort. And if if you're feeling pain and discomfort all day, every day or in bouts, that's enough to send you a bit, you know, it's not good for your mental health. Let's put it that way. So the thing is, is that what you do is you do a four week low FODMAP diet. You pull out the fermentable carbohydrates and then you reintroduce them. And that takes about four weeks. So in around eight weeks, you know what you're intolerant to and or if you're intolerant to something if you are, what you're intolerant to. And most importantly, how much can you have before you have symptoms? Because when it's an intolerance, you can have a little, just not a lot. And then once you can pinpoint what fermentable carbohydrate actually is causing a lot of your symptoms, you can actually like just say take lacto- lactose there might be a threshold point so you'd be fine for having a little bit mm-hmm. but then once you go over that you might get diarrhea or bloating or something like that or gas and once you know the threshold you can either stay below it and be fine or else you can be like oh screw it I want to eat that 99 I'm going to have it or else you can take lactase enzymes so there's solutions to it yeah. and there's ways around it and when you can manage your IBS you it gives you it gives you food freedom really yeah and that immediately takes away some of the anxiety because you don't feel yeah. like you're a prisoner and you can't go you know further than 100 yards from your house people get overwhelmed uh by the just the, the word fodmap it just sounds like oh there's a lot of signs there so can you just sort of break that down in very simple terms yeah so what fodmap stands for is something Fermentable very oligosaccharides <laughs> disaccharides monosaccharides and, and polyols, polyols. Fair play to you. Thank you. You um, taught me well. <laughs> so they're fermentable short-chain carbohydrates. They go into your small intestine. They draw water in, leading to diarrhea in some people and leading to kind of your small intestine blowing up like a water balloon. Then they go into your large intestine where we have so much bacteria. So the bacteria, we can't see it with a naked eye, but if you put the bacteria from your colon on a weighing scales, so it would weigh more. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. In your brain. Oh my god! I know there's that much bacteria, and you can't see it. But anyway, so the FODMAPs go into the large intestine where there's all that bacteria. The bacteria eat the FODMAPs; it's their food. A byproduct of them eating the FODMAPs is that they produce gas, and too much gas can be created. It can be created too quickly, and you simply can't cope. So gas basically you either fart it out, burp it out, or it goes into your blood and you breathe it out. But that colon then blows up like a balloon. And because the intestine's blown up like a water balloon and the colon, the large intestine's blown up like a balloon, that distension of, or that blowing up like a balloon effect of your intestines, that's what causes the pain and discomfort in people with IBS because mm. they have what's called visceral hypersensitivity. Okay. So they discovered this in a very... Um, so they got a group of people with IBS and a group of people without and they shoved balloons up their bottoms and blew up the <gasps> balloons I know uh, who signs up to these things and, <laughs> and, and the thing is is that when they blew up the balloons the people with IBS were squirming in discomfort much sooner and quicker than the people without yeah. and then they said okay well maybe they're just all very sensitive people or something like that so they put their hands in ice baths and they had the exact same reaction at the exact same time so it wasn't peripheral hypersensitivity in the periphery of the body it was visceral it was on the inside so again that um the intestines blowing up like balloons what that does that because of that visceral hypersensitivity or the very sensitive gut that's what leads to the pain and discomfort wow oh my god and that's just so anxiety inducing in itself isn't it yeah oh, it's the worst so where should someone start if they if they're having Okay, let's just say, take, for example, someone who was like me, who's having a lot of yeah. anxiety in their life. And then we look at someone who just has it the odd time. Yeah. If they're saying, I'm, you know, I'm having, my stomach is always at me, I'm anxious and I'm having panic attacks, that kind of thing. From a nutrition perspective, where should they begin? Well, don't go alone because you'll actually waste time trying to do it by yourself. Go to a dietitian that's 
um, a registered dietitian that's trained in the low FODMAP diet and they'll talk you through it and then they'll they'll give you a list of foods you eat and foods you don't eat for four weeks and um you know they can help you in terms of like eat this for breakfast eat this for lunch that sort of thing um but if you try and do it alone the information on the internet isn't very accurate and you'll, you'll end up not doing it properly you'll waste time and it'll be stressful because you'll be trying something that doesn't work and what could be more stressful than that because mm-hmm. i think when people have anxiety and they have gut issues and they're kind of going, oh, I heard this works in more than three out of four people and, or in more than 80% of cases. And then they try it and it doesn't work for them. And the panic. Well, I have Or the that, panic yeah. that it doesn't work fast enough. Because I remember texting you being like, I've been doing this for five days. I'm not feeling any better. And you're like, you're just probably very in a hypersensitive state and your yeah. gut is angry at you right now and it's going to take time. But I like, if you're anxious by nature, you're going to be like, like, what's wrong with me? Why is it working? I know. And the way that I probably described it to you and I've described it even by email today to another client is simply that your gut is irritable bowel syndrome it's in the name your gut is irritated you know it's been irritated for years if you were in a bad mood for years and years and years how long would it take you to calm down mm-hmm. you know so just give it time and I think when people have anxiety as well that they they worry that their body isn't going to have the same reaction like everyone else they worry that it's not happening same. fast enough yeah they worry that they're an anomaly. Yeah. That they're like, what happens if I'm the 20% of people? Who has no effect on... Exactly. Oh, God, you're but in my mind. <laughs> there is a plan A, B and C with all of these things. Um, so sometimes with people, I, I do the low FODMAP diet, but I also I have plans B, C, D, E, like loads of them. Okay. So I would go, okay, well... You, I w- would like you if you if you're up for it to start yoga. I would like you to um, f- take these probiotics. I would like you to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, so, so you're not just looking at literally the food. You're looking more holistically, even though you're a dietitian. Yeah. So like, if you go to someone good, they should be considering the fact that maybe there is lifestyle Im- influences yeah. like stress from work that are also playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the thing is, even with diet, it's not just we have more tools in, under in our belt than the low FODMAP diet. Yeah. So for example, um, I had to put someone on low FODMAP diet and what we call a low residue diet the other day, just simply because their diarrhea was that bad. Oh. But it's it's wonderful when you treat it and someone gets symptom relief. Um, I had the most, oh, she was wonderfully posh uh, lady in, uh, older lady in, and she had retired, right? She was so posh, she wore sunglasses throughout the clinic appointment, <laughs> her Chanel sunglasses. And because she was so posh, it didn't seem weird at all. She was there in her fur and her Chanel's and um, she was fabulous. Anyway, complete symptom relief and she burst into tears and she was it was simply because she could get her social life back she'd get back on the golf course and people would wonder where she was and she retired and she hadn't been able to play golf like she had planned to all day every day because of her IBS being so bad and it was like one of the most it was years and years Mm -hmm. years ago but it was one of the most loveliest moments of my life because you know, as a dietitian or healthcare professional, you kind of go, okay, well, you know, you're trying to save people's lives, you yeah. know, but really adding quality to back the quality of life, of yeah. life is huge. Because like for me, and I think it, it's definitely started with the gut and then it became a bigger, more anxious thing where I didn't know which came first. But I didn't go anywhere. Like I didn't go away for years. I only just went to Thailand on my honeymoon. I remember texting yeah. you being like, uh, first of all, I was so nervous about, I'm so nervous about the prospect of getting sick yeah. because I've always struggled with it and people say oh you'll definitely get a bug in Thailand and I was like why would anyone go like yeah. will you be fine you just bounce back I'm like no I won't I'll be yeah. I'll be so upset like I will yeah. cry 
I went to Thailand and I felt better than I had ever felt before. It's a naturally quite a low FODMAP diet. Um, yeah. And Thailand, because when I have people who have IBS and they're like, I'm going to Thailand and I'm really worried. I'm like, don't be. Your yeah. gut will really behave when you're there. I just couldn't believe it. And in a way, it was just such a relief that like, wow, maybe I don't need to be stuck at home in Ireland all the time. Make, yeah. You know, it just gave me back a sense of, just opened up the world to me, you know, from, um, and, and it really was just to do with my gut, which then yeah. made me relax because, you know, I was, the first few days after eating meals, I was like, like, you know, <laughs> have I gotten Ebola or something? Yeah. And, and then I started to kind of like, um, I'm actually kind of, I was afraid to say it out loud in case I caught some bug. Like that's how much I'm afraid of being sick in my, in my tummy yeah. puking or the shits. And, um, I started to really ease into it and being like, yeah. oh my God, like I've been missing out so much. And I remember when I sat down with you and you didn't just say, oh, you're probably just a bit stressed and I would have wanted to punch you. And <laughs> you, you might have. Yeah. It was, but at that, I've had that so many times where you're like, yeah. well, I've, I've come away having no answers. And yeah, you are like, well, of course I'd be fucking stressed. But with you, it was just, for me with anxiety, right, it always comes back to super, super practical and like science. Yeah. And yes, you can do loads of other worldly stuff that helps you relax. And if that's yeah. great, fine. But I really find what's kind of what researches are done and for you to be able to sit down and say well these foods create distension or bloating or diarrhea and they're going to they're irritating your gut and that's going to make you anxious because you don't want to feel that way and that's going to feed into this bigger thing of anxiety if we take those away which we can do and you're going to feel better you're going to lessen your anxiety and I was just like thank you so much for making me feel like a I'm not gone mad yeah b I'm not doing this to myself and c there is something that I can do other than just relax well you see the thing is when someone has anxiety it's it's um it's a in some ways it's a it's over top reaction to a situation but the thing is if you have ibs and you're miserable with it that's you know that's not an overreaction to the situation that you're in like if you're having diarrhea if you're getting bloating if you're getting distension if you're in pain and discomfort all the time it's the most normal and healthy reaction in the world to feel miserable with that Mm. you know so it was kind of it's a situation where you can say to someone with anxiety like your your reaction to your gut symptoms aren't over the top Mm. everyone would feel miserable with these symptoms you know and it's it's nearly kind of saying that and giving people permission to actually kind of go oh do you know this it's isn't justified. this is actually a healthy normal reaction to having gut issues yeah. this isn't um someone with anxiety's reaction to have, yeah. having these gut issues I think though for me it definitely made me all the years of feeling unwell made me so mentally kind of hypersensitive to if I ever felt a twinge like you know when we were in Thailand yeah. and I, I did have like maybe one or two days where maybe I was just a bit rumbly for like 10 minutes and I was like hmm you know, I straight away panic and Barry's like, oh, like I felt a little bit dodgy there for a second. And he's, but his mind will never go like, oh my God, this is going to be food poisoning, you know? And he's yeah. like, just the difference in us and that I will think, and then I panic. So I was, we were like, we had to go on a boat and I, and I was probably, my, my tummy probably twinged a little bit because I yeah. knew I have to be okay now to get on this boat. Cause what am I going to do if I don't feel well? <laughs> yeah. And so my mind jumps to the oh my god is there a toilet oh my god well that was yeah. always a thing for me like where is there going to be like if we're staying I wouldn't stay in a hostel because I'm not going to share a toilet what if I have yeah. diarrhea like so I still have I still have to work on like on from a psychological perspective on trying to be you know okay well actually I haven't been sick in Thailand so is there any need to panic yeah. and that's like another layer but the thing is is there's also the thing of 
are you just being a girl about it? <laughs> and I, I hate bringing gender to it, but it's so true. Like you go into a primary school and the little girls aren't doing poos in the toilets. The little boys are. Do you know, it's it's a, it's a a there is a gender divide yeah. in what we think is acceptable. Because in a workplace, women do, they much rather, and I have that with, see that with every one of my clients, women would much rather poo at home or poo in private. And they, they don't want to poo in a stall beside their friends. And while guys are like, you know, you the, don't care. I've this I spent w- half an hour bringing the magazine. Like, oh, you can see them walk with the newspaper under their arms and stuff. And even you know, stay at home mums like they're often very constipated. And I'm like, it's because you don't get to poo alone, you know, there's oh always God, someone in the bathroom yeah. with you. So, there is a natural kind of and we, we do need to break down those social barriers where mm. we go to girls like, it's okay to fart. It's okay <laughs> to poo. It's normal to poo. Yeah. And we are so funny about that. And yeah, there is a girl-boy divide. And with IBS, people are like, oh, why is there more of, why do more women than men have IBS? And Shamesing. it's always put down to hormones. But I do think there's an element to that because I was uh, camping in uh, in a camper van in France and going from campsite to campsite. And they're unisex loose. And I'm sitting in the loo beside a man going, geez, he's terrible IBS. <laughs> but he probably doesn't think, oh, no. there's anything wrong with that. Oh, no. Like he's just farting away. Like, not a bother. <laughs> And I, oh, we would die. We like, would die. I but have... we would also put a clinical diagnosis on that. Yeah, I would be like, I know. that definitely isn't uh, I, healthy bowel movements. Full disclosure, to this day, Barry laughs at me. I haven't brought myself to be able to do a poo in his family house. Oh, at I have loads of friends that like they would go away with their boyfriend for a weekend and they oh, would yeah. be like I didn't poo for the weekend oh my god I am in so yeah. much pain yeah. oh like the, the moment that I was able to let myself rip in my relationship changed everything because yeah. I remember I remember we were living together and I was still afraid if like to fart yeah. and I would be so bloated and I'd be lying there writhing around in discomfort and like wait is he asleep yet is he asleep yet trying so hard to like let it out really silently and then eventually I was like <laughs> listen I just can't live like this and it's been amazing ever since. Takes oh, away some of their own. My ones. first fart around Ben was by accident. I was waking up in the morning, kind of going, "Oh, this is bliss," you know, happy in love, living together. And then, and I'll never. I nearly died. I actually nearly died. And he couldn't. He was laughing, not at the fart, but on my over-the-top reaction to my fart. He just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But then, you know. Um, the, even, like, then I got pregnant and then yeah, all dignity oh, went out the window. No, I know. He's, he's seen everything. He's seen everything, yeah. But that's when you know you're in a good relationship and <laughs> you can get past it. Um, but I remember even like from when I was working full time in an office and then I went freelance, like every day yeah. coming home, I would feel and look like I was about six months pregnant. Yeah. And then I would just deflate you know, bit by bit over the evening. But when I went freelance and I was at home and I had more flexibility, I didn't I didn't find it as bad at all because I obviously was like, you know, farting freely and not feeling like ashamed and, yeah. you know, waiting to go into the toilet when... I, I, I think going to the toilet, right, if you're in an all-female cubicle and you feel like, okay, I can go in here, it's fine. But like, a woman is not going to sit there in the office and just parp away out loud. But yeah. Barry tells me that people in work just sit there and lift up one cheek. Yeah. 
Oh, I know my dad does. Um, is, it so, is it so bad for our gut? This is going way off topic to, of anxiety, but is it so bad for our gut to be holding it that in? Oh, yeah. So we have this thing called the gastrocolic reflex. And it means like, you know, after you eat, you might need to poo. And women ignore that often because they'll be in work or they'll be mm. at their friend's house or be their in-laws or something like that and not feel comfortable pooing. So it's that holding it in. See, we learn to nearly ignore what our body is telling us. Yeah. And if you ignore what your body is telling you, and that goes with hunger and and all of these symptoms but when you when you ignore what your body's telling you there will be consequences uh, from that um, and so even part of my job as a dietitian I'm like you know that if you put tissue down um, in the loo just on top of the water you won't hear it um, yeah you won't hear it so I'm like do a crisscross with a toilet paper and have all of these things and potty and, training yeah and simple things and I'm like and do you know that if you um, you know light a match yeah. or do you know that there's actually these baby wipes that you can actually you know you can flush now the flushable mm. baby wipes because you know if people are having diarrhea all the time they they get a sore bum you know <laughs> so it's it's all of these things and i'm like do you know about this cream so i'm actually giving people the tools that yeah. to nearly sometimes overcome some of their fears for me sometimes it's a time thing like where if i feel like oh god i'm this isn't like happening too easily i'm just gonna be like get back up there now wait till i get home i'm not gonna sit here because the yeah. shame of coming out being like well you clearly were in there doing a shite and that's just like you're sitting there getting anxious about that so so what we're talking about now is very specifically gut related anxiety yeah. right but for people who are like please stop talking about your pooing. pooing and orifices if they are experiencing anxiety in their gut it's not a problem yeah which is probably a smaller group of people what they probably don't take the diet thing as seriously yeah but the thing is is that there's loads that you can do so even even the fact that go back to what i was saying about the brain the brain this fatty blob and you know what you want is that brain to be made up of good fats and unsaturated fats so that's why it's so important if I were to say follow one dietary approach it would be the Mediterranean diet you know so that's full of nuts and seeds and olive oil and oily fish you, they couldn't be any better for the brain because they're healthy fats and you want your brain to be made up of healthy fats um, and then the Mediterranean diet has lots of important nutrients in it, vitamins and minerals. And that's why beans, peas and lentils and all the legumes that are in the Mediterranean diet, um, as well as all the plants that are, the fruit and the veg, mm -hmm. are so positive for someone. Um, so I'd encourage them if they were going to follow it, a dietary approach, it would be the Mediterranean diet. Um, I'd encourage them as well to focus on hydration. N nearly hydration first and foremost, because even with 2% dehydration, our mental acuity, so our um, speed of thought and accuracy of thought reduces. Yeah. And lots of people are 2% dehydrated. Jesus, I'm saying but 50%. <laughs> yeah, you're like a little raisin. But you see, hydration is so important. So make sure that you're well hydrated. So you get your weight in kilograms, you times by 35, and that's how much water you, and fluid you need to be drinking at a basic level every single day. And if you're a sweaty person, you might need more or if it's hot outside or you you're wear, exercising yeah, yeah or you're wearing too hot um too many layers for the day that sort of thing so i'd encourage people to focus on their focus on their hydration too but we can't ignore the impact that alcohol has yes on on someone's mental health in the same way we can't ignore the impact that caffeine can have on someone's anxiety or sugar or yeah, yeah. so i have someone who um 
I had someone in yesterday actually to clinic and he was so sensitive to coffee and um, he didn't realize it and he was about to get up and make a speech but he was nervous about making the speech so he had an espresso or two oh. because everyone else did and he couldn't remember anything he was saying he and he'd probably be shaking he was like... shaking and he goes oh my god I'm having a panic attack and he drove say, tra- st- uh, straight to St. Pat's Hospital and um, oh. and got and they were like you know, it might have just been the coffee. Yeah, I know. And he was just that hypersensitive to it. And some people are that hypersensitive to ca- caffeine. Um, but most people, most people are sensitive to alcohol. Like alcohol is a, a depressant for a lot of people. So if you suffer from your mental health, do look at your alcohol intake. Mm. And I know people who have had, when people have a bad day, they might go, oh, I'd love a glass of wine or That's something. Thing, yeah. yeah. And so sometimes people will have one glass of wine and they'll feel better yeah and actually well they might seem mad for a healthcare professional to say this but it might have actually been a right thing to do because well, it was it a works like medication yeah but then the thing is is that alcohol especially taken in excess so more than a drink basically um that can have a depressant effect and it's the next day how does it affect you the yeah. next day and some people get I know what we call the fear or the loser complex and just their serotonin is so low and they feel so bad and it can last days mm. <laughs> it might not even just last one day and on a ser- more serious note you can't hide from the figures that show that alcohol is very much present in a significant number of uh, suicides so mm-hmm. you know alcohol when it comes to mental ill health we can't ignore it i know in ireland we'd like to ignore I the know. negative impacts of alcohol but we just can't it's such a slippery slope because i find sometimes if i've been if i've been stuck and i'm like okay i'm gonna have a i'm just gonna have a glass of prosecco if i'm a bit overwhelmed like when i went to the late late show i had probably several glasses of wine before <laughs> i went home because i was so nervous and it, in the short term, it gives you, it does give you relief. It slows your blood yeah. down, everything, you know, it makes you feel relaxed, takes the edge off. But I do, now I would only, I probably would only ever have like two glasses of something. Yeah. And I don't know if that's considered excessive. Maybe it is. But like back in the day when my anxiety was a lot worse and I'd go out and have a good few drinks, the next day my anxiety would be just horrific yeah. but I would almost feel because my anxiety was so bad I needed to have the drink when I was out to be relaxed having a good time out so then I was in this cycle yeah. of like I can't win at all. <laughs> I so I think alcohol is just is such an important one especially for the day after yeah and I'd encourage people who maybe the day after when they are feeling that way that the most important thing is get out get fresh air mm-hmm. and don't be alone yeah you know um so you're probably not going to be the best crack with your mates and yeah. um, you're going to be a bit you know low but and way more susceptible to anxious thoughts and absolutely and I would focus on nourishing your body eating well eating balanced meals getting your hydration up but I would focus on I would do a bit of healthy exercise and get outside in the fresh air and you'll feel so much better for it when it comes to caffeine and sugar um I take it as I go so I don't have a caffeine free diet I don't have a sugar free diet I love sugar but I kind of if I'm having a if I'm having a particularly anxious week I'll know that it's only going to stimulate me more and exacerbate it more so I'll personally know now to ease off like I remember at, at um was two Christmases ago I was really really anxious for some reason Christmas always kind of gets me I feel under pressure to be well and and everyone having a great time and I remember even just having like one roses Cadbury's roses from the tin and feeling the effects of that making me kind of get jittery straight away and I decided I just wasn't going to eat any any chocolate or have any sugar like I, I had it in bread and stuff but you know I mean like sweets and stuff and sugary alcohol and drinks I just didn't have any of it and after a couple of days 
my anxiety calmed right down. Yeah. And I really did feel like that was purely because I took out way those things, those very easy things that were just adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. Um, and the same with with caffeine. If I'm, you know, before I do a presentation, Jesus, I wouldn't touch caffeine. But if I'm having, I mean, I don't have coffee at all. I never, I don't even like it. But, you know, if I'm having like a normal few days, like I'll have a Diet Coke, it'll be fine. But if I'm, if I'm a little bit overwhelmed or there's something in my mind and I have a Diet Coke, I'll feel a bit jittery. So I kind of need to just sort of listen to my body. And I don't think people yeah. realise how quickly and how immediate those things can really increase your anxiety or decrease it if you take it away yeah so they're they're temporary energy givers so the likes of um they do and they are energy takers in the longer term so in the very short term they're energy givers and sometimes when you're in an anxious state the last thing you need is more energy no pumping into you're stimulated enough like i know you don't (laughs) need more stimulation so when it comes to things like caffeine like sugar i think people like you said you listen to your body your body our bodies are communicating with us all the time and i don't think because you know people kind of go about their daily quite mindlessly but if you go about your day a bit more mindfully and are aware of everything around you but also everything in you that your body is always trying to communicate to you and to listen to it and react and and follow that gut feeling um we know that the gut is the second brain Mm -hmm. and we know it even simply and we've known it for a long time simply by our language we always talk about that gut feeling don't mm-hmm. we and we feel most of our feelings in our gut you know and what is the statistic about serotonin 98 percent yeah in so 80 90 percent of the serotonin is found in your gut and it's interesting um because even in certain times types of ibs we know that um the you know the amount of serotonin in your gut can actually affect which type of IBS you have constipation dominant or diarrhea dominant and so much so that um because there's around 90% of our serotonin in our gut sometimes when people have tried lots of dietary approaches lots of little uh, other approaches sometimes a GP might prescribe as the smallest dose of an antidepressant and it's not an antidepressant for your head because it's such a tiny dose but because there's nine times more serotonin in your gut than your head that tiny dose has nine times effect basically or more of an effect mm. in your gut so it can have that tiny dose of an antidepressant can or that serotonin reuptake inhibitor can actually have a a significant impact on your gut symptoms because that's where the serotonin is and that the serotonin is involved in uh, gut symptoms wow so if anyone's listening and they're thinking okay i'm mm. i have something coming up that's making me a bit anxious maybe they're just in an anxious phase that they can't put their finger on yeah. why it is what very practical things can they do this week what should they maybe pull out of their diet or just ease off and what should they introduce even things like green vegetables and stuff yeah so i'd encourage them to eat regularly so you know you don't want longer than four or five hours between meals um you don't want your blood sugar levels to drop i'd focus people to eat regularly drink lots of water so girls need around two liters above boys need around two and a half um or above um i'd encourage them to eat balanced meals so is there a protein source going into breakfast mm-hmm. is there a protein source going into lunch and dinner is there enough fruit and veg going into breakfast, lunch and dinner? So two pieces of breakfast, two pieces of lunch, two pieces of dinner. And by piece, I mean handful, you yeah. know, um, and then put some healthy fats into each of those meals. So, for example, it could be porridge made on oats, which is the carbohydrate, milk, which is a protein source, nuts, which are the healthy fat source and two fruits. Lunch could be veg soup, which is the fruit or veg source. Uh, brown bread which is carbohydrate it could be hummus or guacamole just say and chicken so the hummus and guacamole provide healthy fats the chicken is the protein and then with dinner it could be potatoes being the carbohydrate 
oily fish being the protein to veg and um, maybe some um, you can roast the veg in mm-hmm. olive oil. So again, there's a healthy fat source so that each and every single meal that you're eating is balanced. When it comes to snacks, balance them too. So focus on a protein and fiber snack so that it gives you both. So for example, um, hummus and veg sticks or nuts and fruit or yogurt and fruit um, so that you're getting that protein source with the fruit or veg. So that's what your snacks need to be to keep your blood sugar levels uh, a bit more balanced. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.